you'll open your Bibles tonight, please, to the book of Acts, chapter number one. And I want to thank you for being here tonight. We set aside the four Sunday nights in August as nights of prayer and praise. And we have prayed about different things. And tonight, of course, is the fourth and final Sunday night in August. And our emphasis tonight is going to be praying that God would open doors for us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ beyond these walls. Now, before, I, before we look at our scripture verse tonight, let me, that phrase, beyond these walls, is an important phrase and will be uh, becoming a more important phrase as we go forward. 25 years ago, God opened a door for our church to purchase the land that we are sitting on tonight. And so the process of buying this land and building all these buildings that was completed in 2013 was almost a 25-year process. It was almost a quarter of a century to do what God led the church to do. And God is certainly blessing us here. The church that purchased our old facility, La Iglesia del Pueblo, Hispanic church, is doing wonderfully well there. And so as we took a step of faith into the unknown, God not only blessed us, but God blessed another congregation as well. But nonetheless, for the last 25 years, First Baptist Church in Pasadena has been involved in this building project. What was a $57 million project, if you added it all up, we didn't start out owing that much money, but now we only owe about $2 million, and so it's extremely manageable. We never wanted to uh, borrow so much money that it would in any way affect the operation of the church. So we just built in pieces, kind of piece at a time. And in a very short amount of time, we should, to the glory of God, have that uh, debt completely retired so that we can go on and do what it is that God has for us to do. Now, it would be easy for a church in our position to say, hey, We've been working on this for 25 years. That's a quarter of a century. And once we get this debt completely retired, then we can just sit back and say, it's all over with. Well, that would be one option. But I think a much wiser option would be after we get the debt completely uh, retired, instead of just sitting back and saying it's done, I think what we should do is thank God that this phase of it is completed. The, the buildings are built. The buildings will be completely paid for. And we say to God, God, now that these walls are built and paid for, we're asking you to open doors for us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the phrase, beyond these walls. Say that with me, beyond these walls. Because it is beyond these walls where all the people are. All the unsaved people who don't know the Lord, the hurting people, the people who need hope and forgiveness and all the things that we find in Jesus Christ. And so it is our responsibility to take the gospel beyond these walls. On your offering envelope every Sunday or whenever you have a regularly you get paid and have regularly tithe, whether that's once a week or twice a month, you notice that there is a place that says completing the miracle. And the miracle will soon be completed of building all this. And as soon as it is, we want to take that out of the offering envelope and put a new line item in there that simply says beyond these walls. And that for the next 25 years or beyond or till Jesus returns or till at least we all go to heaven, that will be what kind of gives our church direction as we seek to go forward in what it is that God has for us to do. Now, in Acts chapter 1, there's a familiar verse I want us to look at tonight before we move into our prayer time. 
And it's some, these are some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he went to heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so Jesus, right before he went back to heaven, saying to those disciples, it is your responsibility now to take the good news, to take the gospel. And that's what the word gospel literally means. It means good news. The good news of God's love, His forgiveness, His salvation, His peace, His grace, His mercy, everything that is God. Jesus said, it is your responsibility to take this good news to the whole world, beginning right here where you are. That's what we love about the Jerusalem Project. We're trying to go to 47,000 houses in a five-mile radius of our church. Going into today, we only had 13,000 homes to go. And so hopefully just in the next few months, we can have, have gone to every home in a five-mile radius of our church. And so that's where God would have us to begin. And then it expands from there, and it grows from there. And so it is our responsibility to take the gospel beyond these walls. Now, the question is, really, I guess the two questions, at least in my mind, first of all, God, where do we go? And secondly, how are we supposed to take the gospel? In other words, if it is our responsibility, literally, to take the gospel to the known world, to the, to the civilized and even the uncivilized world, if that, if that is truly our responsibility. And remember what Jesus said on, this, on the uh, Great Commission at the very end of Matthew's gospel? He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, all the people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus literally meant that, and we believe that he did, we know that he did, then if you think about the ramifications of what Jesus was saying, they are enormous because Jesus was saying that it is our responsibility to take the gospel message to the world. One of the things I love about God is that God is a God of order. God always does things in an orderly, systematic way. And so the timing of all this to me is so beautiful. Our buildings are finished. They're almost completely paid for. And so now the next step is the Great Commission. It is to take the gospel beyond these walls. Can you imagine in the next 25 years if our church spent $57 million taking the gospel beyond these walls, how many people could be reached for Jesus Christ? But see, God didn't start out with, with the enormity of that, I mean, we've been taking the gospel around the world for over 100 years. That's what our church has always been. But what I'm saying is, in the location where our church is now, it's kind of like that we are, this is the headquarters of, our, of God's ministry for First Baptist Church Pasadena. This is the headquarters. And it is from here that God would have us to just fan out and to spread out all over the world. So the first question is, God, where do we go specifically? And the second question is, how do we get there? What do we do? In other words, if we're supposed to take the gospel to the whole world, does that mean that tonight I should be standing under a bridge in Houston holding up a sign that says Jesus saves? I mean, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Tonight, instead of being here, should I be in Dallas, on some busy intersection in Dallas, holding up a sign that says Jesus saves? 
I mean, it might be that I would uh, reach more people there tonight than I am here. Does that mean that instead of being here tonight, I should fly to New York and go on Times Square? I read that on a typical day, 330,000 people are walking in and out of Times Square. 330,000. That's three times as, well, well over twice as many people that live in Pasadena in one day are walking through Times Square. So should I just move to New York and get my sign that says, Jesus saves, and stand in Times Square and hold it up all day long? I mean, it's a good question. Because if I should be under a bridge in Houston or on a busy intersection in Dallas or in Times Square holding up my sign that says, Jesus saves, then that means I'm out of God's will being here tonight because I can't be in both places at the same time. So the question is a good question. Where do we go? And what do we do? Do we just hold up signs? Do we pass out tracts? What do we do? Well, this is why we're having a prayer service tonight because we need God to tell us what to do. Now, you're in Acts chapter 1. Turn to the right to chapter number 16 because the Apostle Paul and his partners in ministry found themselves in a similar situation 2,000 years ago. God had saved them. God had given them the responsibility of taking the gospel all over the world. And so Paul had surrendered his life to that assignment and to that task. And Paul was just, it was kind of like this. Paul had made a sign that said, Jesus saves. And Paul said, I'm going to this city and I'm going to hold up my sign so that everybody can see that Jesus saves. And yet in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, we see that that's not what God wanted him to do. The Bible says, now Luke is writing this, and Luke says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the Word of God in Asia. That's a strange thing to me. Paul was planning on going to Asia and hold up his sign to all the people living in Asia that said, Jesus saves. I mean, had I been Paul's friend, I would have said, Paul, you're doing the right thing, man. You're wanting to go out to a part of the world that doesn't know anything about Jesus, and you're wanting to tell that part of the world that Jesus saves. And so Paul had his sign made, and Paul was heading to Asia. And, but in verse 6, instead of it saying that the Holy Spirit said, Paul, you're doing the right thing. Paul, I'm proud of you. Paul, you're doing good. It says that Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And so God said to Paul, don't go. It'd be like God saying to me, John, take, take that sign that says Jesus saves that you're going to take to New York City. Put that sign down. Cancel that airplane flight. Cancel that ticket. That's not what I want you to do. That's not the way I want you to do it. Look in verse number 7. So Paul says, okay, I won't go to Asia. I won't go to New York City. I'll go to Dallas. And in, in, in his way, look at what it says. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. And so Paul picked up his sign to go somewhere else, and he says, okay, God said don't go to Asia, but now I'm going to go to Bithynia, and I'm going to hold up my sign, and the sign will tell everybody in Bithynia that Jesus saves, and yet the Bible says that God would not let him go there. It is an interesting thing. The Spirit did not permit them. In other words, you would just assume that if a person was trying to get the message out about Jesus, he could hold his sign up anywhere. And yet God is not that way. God is a God of order. And God doesn't just say, hold the sign up anywhere. God says, I'll tell you where to hold the sign up. And so if you're trying to hold the sign up in the wrong place, I'm going to close that door. And so twice, 
God had closed the door on the Apostle Paul. Now look in verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now Paul is in Troas now, completely confused about what he's supposed to be doing because twice God has shut him down. And so one night, Paul's in Troas, he goes to sleep. And in verse 9 it says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so, two doors are closed. Paul is asleep one night in Troas. He has a vision. He sees a man from Macedonia. The man says, come over here. We need you here. Paul wakes up. Paul tells his friends about his dream. And it, notice it says they concluded that's what God wanted. Had they concluded? Two closed doors and one dream. And after that, they concluded that's where God wanted them to go. And so as we think about taking the gospel beyond the walls of this church, certainly we have our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods, our community, the places where we work. But as we think about a wholesale approach to taking the gospel from, home, from our home base around the whole world, the question is, God, where do you want us to go? And God, how do you want us to do it? You see, this says to us tonight that just because you come across an opportunity, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what God would have you to do. There are opportunities all over the world. I mean, there are people that need the gospel and people who need all kind of things all over the world. But God doesn't operate like that. God says, Yes, there are needs all over the world. And yes, I have my people all over the world. But God says what I'm in the business of doing is getting the right people at the right place at the right time. So, see, when God told Paul not to go to Asia, that doesn't mean God didn't love the people in Asia. It just means it wasn't God's will for Paul to go to Asia. Now, the people in Asia could have gotten mad at Paul. They could have said, Paul didn't care anything about us. Uh, some of Paul's traveling companions could have said, well, I, I don't think this is right of Paul. But God had his reason for closing that door. And so as we think about taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, beyond these walls, I've printed out tonight, and I wish you'd look at it in your bulletin, four simple prayers that I think we would be wise to pray tonight. And the number one prayer is simply this, Father, close the wrong doors. Close the wrong doors. Not every open door is of God. Not every opportunity is of God. Just because somebody has a need, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is calling us to meet that need. It may be, but certainly in Paul's case, there were two times where people had needs. Paul wanted to meet those needs, and yet God wouldn't let him do it because God had something else for Paul to do. So prayer number one would be, Father, as we step out by faith, trying to know where and how you would have us to share the gospel, if we're about to walk through a door that is not your, for whatever reason, it is not your will. We're asking you to close that door. There's a verse in the book of Revelation that says, God opens doors that no man can close, and God closes doors that no man can open. And if God closes a door, we would be mighty foolish to try to kick it down. And if God opens a door, we would be mighty foolish to refuse to walk through it. So the first thing we pray is, God, close the wrong doors. We only want to walk through the doors that you have opened for us. Second prayer is just the opposite of that. Father, 
Open the right doors. <laughs> Open the right doors. God, give us opportunities. Wherever that might be, whatever the medium might be, whatever the means might be for the gospel to be shared, we ask you, God, to just open all the right doors. Go before us. God, if you'll open a door and you'll give us peace in our heart that you're the one who has opened that door, we're going to walk right through it. And then the third prayer is simply this. Father, provide for our needs. Father, provide. One of the ways that I know it was God's will for our church to buy, build all, buy all this land and build all these buildings is because it's just been a beautiful story all these years to see how God has provided one step at a time. This gift, this happened, this thing, and all, it, it, all the things that God has done, He has provided for our needs. And in the, same, in the same way, as we go forward now and say, God, now that we've done what you told us to do, moving out here was not our idea. It was your idea. You put us in a location, God. We are centrally located, in my opinion, in the best spot in southeast Harris County. We're at the, at the corner where Pasadena, Deer Park, Laporte, Clear Lake, Kima, Seabrook, it just all kind of comes together right here. And so God has put us in a strategic location so that we can do what? First of all, reach the people in our community. It always begins in Jerusalem. And so here we are at the location where God wants us to be. And so I think what God is saying to us now, okay, you've been obedient. You've, t you've stepped out in faith. Look at all the thousands of people who've been saved in these 25 years here. And no telling how many people have been saved at La Iglesia del Pueblo. But in the same way God would say that I have provided for your needs for this part of the history of First Baptist Pasadena, I'm going to provide for your needs going forward. My dad shared this morning about the radio ministry. And that's just one opportunity. That's not the only opportunity. may not even be the biggest opportunity, but it's one opportunity to take the gospel beyond these walls. And he, he just made the announcement last week and said, if anybody would like to sponsor a week, it's $250 a week for a 30-minute program, 100.7, uh, every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. And people began to give, and the phone was ringing at church, people emailing, people bringing checks by. And he shared this morning, I think people have given enough money that it's already paid for through June or through the beginning of June next year. Beautiful example. God providing for our needs. And God, that's what, that's what we pray. God, if you open a door and, and we believe that you've opened it, we will, we will walk through it. And, uh, but we're asking you to open the doors. And then the fourth thing, and this is very important. Father, because I pray this sometimes, Father, protect us from the devil. Protect us from the devil. Let me ask you a question. Yes or no? Do you think God <laughs> wanted our church to buy this property and build all these buildings starting 25 years ago? You think God wanted that to happen? Yes or no? Yeah, of course. Do you think the devil wanted that to happen? No, of course not. So what did the devil do? Try to stop it. Always what the devil does. God has a plan. The devil has a plan against God's plan. The devil doesn't have any plan really of his own. His only plan is to find out what God's plan is and try to mess it up. Well, in the same way, if the next part of God's plan is to take the gospel beyond these walls, this is home base. These are our headquarters. This is like the, 
the worship center and the offices from which we can touch the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Helping people all over the world who are not saved to get saved, who are not sure that they're saved, get sure that they're saved, who are living in bondage to get set free, who are going through all kinds of things in their life that they could hear through the ministries of our church about what Jesus has, first of all, what Jesus has done for us. And then what Jesus can do for them. And so we step out by faith. God is opening doors. We're walking through them. He's providing. But we're not naive. As Paul said in reference to the devil, we're not ignorant of his devices. We are not, we've not gone asleep at the wheel. (laughs) We're not unaware that we have an enemy. And we're not unaware that his desire would be to thwart anything that God would do. And so we pray, Father... Protect us from the devil. Now turn again in your Bible to the right, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. Paul was serving the Lord and having a great ministry and people were being saved and God was using him. He was in the right place, the place that God wanted him to be. He was finally able to hold up his sign that said, Jesus saves. And he was holding it up in the right place and God was blessing him. But it's an interesting thing that Paul uh, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. He says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. Now, let's just stop right there. A great and effective door has opened to me. That is exactly what God has done for us. First of all, it's what he did in 1991 when it took a miracle of God that three different landowners would agree to sell 49 and a half acres to a church uh, at that time, and, and, but God opened that door. Now, here we are 25 years later. That part of the history of our church is almost behind us, and God is speaking, and God is saying, I'm in the process of opening another door. Home base is established. Your headquarters are built. The foundation is strong. The infrastructure is strong. The Theology is good. People know what they believe. You've stood on the Bible and you're doing everything. You're trying to reach your community. You're going to all these houses in a five-mile radius. And I think God, God is saying, you're doing exactly what I've told you to do in my word. Now, as we prepare for the next 25 years, it's not going to involve the purchasing of land. Maybe, may, it may. We may buy 50 acres somewhere else. I'd never say we wouldn't. But I think what God is saying and I may be wrong, primarily it won't be the purchasing of land and the building of buildings because that's already happened. God's a God of order. We've done that. God is saying now you're in a position. You're strong. You're established in the community. And you're at a crossroads where people are. And you can reach this whole community for Jesus Christ. God says now the next step is to go beyond these walls. And to tell people about Jesus. How they can have their sins forgiven and how they can be saved. And God is saying a great and effective door is providentially and supernaturally open for you. Just like it was for Paul. Now, if that were the only part of the verse, we'd say, thank God the door is open. Let's run through it and enjoy the ride. But look at the second part of the verse. Paul said, a great and effective door has opened to me. Comma. I say, I wish it would have been a period right there. But it's a comma. That means there's more. And then it says, and. And I wish there wasn't the conjunction, and. I just wish the sentence ended with, to me. But it doesn't. And, watch this. There are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. And so what God is saying to us, don't go to sleep at the wheel. 
Don't assume just because you got all these beautiful buildings and they're about paid for and I'm opening all the, uh, these other doors for the gospel. Don't just assume that this is going to be smooth sailing and there's not going to be some opposition and this person rise up, this situation happen, this whatever. Because God's, Paul said, a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite pastors, other than my own father, I suppose the man, well, there's several on that level, Charles Stanley and others, but Adrian Rogers is one of them, one of the preachers who has impacted my life more than anybody else living. He said this as he came toward the end of his time on earth. He said that he had noticed in his life and in his ministry that the door of opportunity swings on the hinges of adversity. The door of opportunity swings on the hinges of adversity. And I think about his life and his ministry and how God used him in his Memphis, Tennessee church and how their church did the same thing ours did. They relocated, got in the place where God told them to be. God's a God of order. God got them established in the right part of, of the Memphis area. And after that, God began to open doors for them to take the gospel beyond the walls of their church. They were already doing a little bit of that, but after they got reestablished and located where they wanted, God wanted them to be, God began to open doors. And now instead of just preaching to the people at Bellevue Baptist Church, he's preaching to the people outside of the walls of their church all across Memphis. And not long after that, he's preaching not only across Memphis, he's preaching all across Tennessee. And not at long after that, he's preaching not only across Tennessee, he's preaching across other states, and then he's preaching all over the nation, then he's preaching all over the world. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here. I'm not saying it's not. I don't know. But what I'm saying is this. He said, same thing Paul said, a great and effective door is open for me, but there are many adversaries. You know, one, night, or one morning Adrian was preaching his sermon, and a man who didn't like him came running from the back of the church coming down the aisle to try to stop him, stop Adrian from preaching. Adrian up there preaching the gospel. Great door got it open for him, but there are many adversaries. A man came running down the aisle. Adrian's preaching. That man's hollering. Adrian thinking, what in the world am I going to do? And a man jumped out of the choir and onto the stage. And right before that man got to Adrian, he performed a little karate on that man. I'm telling you, those choir people are tough. <laughs> Jehoshaphat, when he went to war, he said he got the singers out in front of him. But it's what happened. Now, we hope that doesn't happen here. But if it does, we're not going to run, hide, quit. We're going to let the choir fight for us. <laughs> All I'm saying is, the Apostle Paul, who's the most effective Christian minister in the history of the world, a great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Adrian over in Memphis saying, a great and effective door open for me. But if I could only tell you tonight, and that thing I just told you right there would have been so my, if Adrian Rogers were living tonight and he could say, let me tell you the top 10 things the devil tried to do to stop what God was doing. What I, that story I just told you wouldn't even be on the list. That would not even be on his list. That was silly. That was just child's play. That ain't going to stop anything. But what I'm saying is, as we pray for God to close the wrong doors, as we pray for God to open the right doors, as we pray for God to provide what we would need to go 
from our home base, from our headquarters, and to fan out into the world, telling people what Jesus has done for us and how he's changed our lives and how he's made it possible for us to go to bed at night with peace, wake up in the morning with peace, go through life with peace, face all manner of challenges in life with peace and confidence and courage and assurance that God is with us and that he will not ever fail us. To get that message out to people all over the world, what do we pray lastly? We say, God, protect us of the devil. We're not ignorant of his devices. We're not asleep at the wheel. We're not naive. Our head is not in the sand. We read what you've said in the Bible. We observe what's happened to others. God, we know what's happened in our own lives in our own church. And yet, even though the devil is no match for us, He's not. I mean, we're no match for the devil. Let me say that the other way around. We're no match for the devil. The devil is stronger than we are. The truth is, the devil is no match for Jesus Christ who's living on the inside of us. And so we don't step out to reach the world or to even reach an extended part of our community in our own strength, and our own power. God, here we are now. You gl- I know you're glad to have us. No. We step out in faith saying, God, we're only walking through doors that you open. Just because we have an opportunity doesn't necessarily mean it's of you. We're walking through the doors you open, trusting you to provide for our needs, well aware that the door of opportunity swings on the hinges of adversity. And God, what we're asking you to do is take care of any adversities that might come up.